today on City Cash Chicago, we've been hearing for years that people are leaving Chicago, that the city is shrinking, people are fleeing. Well, they're not technically, according to new census numbers. We actually grew and are still the third largest city in the country. Sorry, Houston. But if you look even closer at the numbers, they show Chicago's black population continues to shrink. But Latino communities grew, making them Chicago's second largest ethnic group. So why does this matter? Well, those numbers help determine who represents your neighborhood and city council and how power is dispersed across the city. It's Wednesday, August 18th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. So you know I got the numbers for you. Overall, Chicago's population increased at about 50,000. The largest group is white residents at about 900,000. Latinos surpassed black residents with about 820,000. And black folks are now down to 790,000, the lowest since the 1960s. The Asian population grew faster than any of other groups, but still well behind at about 195,000. Alden Lowry is the senior editor of WBEZ's Race, Class, and Communities Desk. And Alden's here to break down what all these numbers mean. You grew up on the South Side and still live there. Have you personally seen the decline of the black population? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, particularly when I was staying in, in Auburn Gresham, I was uh, I was on 75th and, and Aberdeen. And what struck me there was particularly when I was driving through Inglewood and West Inglewood, which are just north of Auburn Gresham, just the swaths of land that um, were open. I mean, literally. Vacant. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it almost felt like uh, and I'm not being overly dramatic here, but almost like a, a town that had been bombed out. And uh, there were just these open patches of land. Uh, there were a number of buildings, uh, uh, particularly large uh, courtyard apartment buildings that had been boarded up uh, and then ultimately demolished. I can I can remember over years seeing, oh, there used to be a building here and now it's gone. You know, kind of the loss of those structures and, and ultimately the loss of those people were very felt. Think about all of the abandoned schools, uh, the schools that were closed. Uh, another sign of, of the depopulation of these neighborhoods. I know there's not one story to the decline of the Black population across the city of Chicago, but what are some of those contributing factors? Uh, this is a question that researchers and others have been asking for a long time, and there is no kind of definitive answer. Um, I think there are a number of things that are kind of at play, and even places where they had been known for growth. Chatham, you know, for a long time had been a destination uh, Black community in the city. Um, and it has struggled over the last few years. Gresham uh, was, and I think people forget about this with Gresham, Gresham was another community that was very similar to that in the 1970s and 1980s. And I moved uh, from the Leclerc Court's public housing development when I was three years old, you know, to uh, the third floor of a, of a three flat in, in Gresham because that neighborhood was seen as a neighborhood on the way up. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer that. There, there are challenges in those communities in terms of issues with crime, economic uh, development, quality of their schools, foreclosures, particularly in Inglewood and West Inglewood, which I think were number one and number two in the city in terms of foreclosures. Uh, they are by far number one in the city in terms of demolished properties. There just quite simply aren't places to live in those neighborhoods the way they were 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, whereas your more middle-class Black neighborhoods um, or places where there's, there's growth and there are things that are happening and attracting people there, that's drawing Black folks in. Some of those folks, like me, are folks who came from a neighborhood that it's losing population, 
It's going to a neighborhood that's gaining black population. Other parts of the city where, you know, maybe aggression or Chatham that have seen some of these population dips, are they losing people overall or are other neighbors coming in where black neighbors are leaving out? I wouldn't say so much in Chatham necessarily, um, but in neighborhoods like Auburn Gresham, but even more so in neighborhoods like Chicago Long, which I think kind of gets left out of the conversation too. This was actually a majority Black neighborhood, at least in the 1990s and the early 2000s. And by 2010, it had lost its Black majority. Um, and now in 2020, it is solidly a majority Latino uh, community. Well, let's stay on this. The The news coming out of the census was that the Latino population had grown to the point that it passed the Black population for the second largest racial group in Chicago. Can we talk about that? What's really driving the growth in the city's Latino population? A number of things. And, and, and you know, some of, some of this is, is, is speculation, but, you know, the Latino population uh, had been growing very rapidly in the 1970s and 1980s and the 1990s when uh, there was a very strong kind of immigration flow that was coming into Chicago. Uh, a lot of the neighborhoods, um, uh, Latino strongholds that include you know, Pilsen and Little Village, but I think at the time also included places like Logan Square, um, were these entry points for folks who then kind of went out into other parts of not only the city, but the region. Uh, there were resources, there were familial connections, and you also had a young uh, demographic that I would say even still today is still a fairly young demographic. So uh, there were families and those families, you know, were, were growing. And so you had this natural growth, this very strong natural growth, and you had this very strong growth from immigration. That growth on immigration has declined, but you still have a fairly robust uh, young demographic that is growing naturally at a decent it's having ha having a bunch of kids having kids yes exactly <laughs> um, and um, and and so uh, so I think that's that's part of the growth. There are other things that are happening also. Um, uh, Latinos are gaining uh, a, a stronger foothold both politically and financially. And so you've got Latino families that are soaking up these these opportunities for home ownership and these communities that have been built over the years. So those numbers are, are growing even without the, the influx of immigrants that we've seen uh, in decades prior. One of the main reasons we are so focused on these numbers is they will impact how the city redraws its war map. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how these numbers are gonna impact that debate in the back room? Well, they're gonna impact it. Um, you know, the question is how much might they impact it uh, given the fact that Ultimately, these decisions are going to be made by human beings who have political self-interest, uh, who have people that they uh, have to report to. The numbers aren't the only factor uh, that will play a part. But yes, they, they are a heavy factor. Uh, I would say this, that the loss of the African-American population within the city that we've seen, as we talked about for decades now, has not contributed to at least it didn't contribute after the 2010 census to a drawing of the map that very explicitly, you know, kind of cut out necessarily 20 or so uh, uh, aldermanic seats. The job this time around is probably going to be harder to maintain uh, that number of, uh, of seats, but with the, with the numbers dictating, or at least the, the overall numbers showing that there are more Latinos and African-Americans in the city, does that give the Latino um, representatives in the community as a whole, a little more heft to make an argument, hey, our number of seats need to in increase. Yeah, and this war remapping process is is obviously so important because it's gonna impact how people feel represented. I mean, obviously we're not gonna see a flip, right, of, you know, 
I don't think the city council, Latino city council members in the next election are going to pass the number of black aldermen. But do you think that we're moving in that direction? Yes. And in two decades, I would imagine the numbers uh, of of wards and the numbers of representatives are going to draw closer together. I, I don't necessarily see it happening very quickly. I do think the numbers might strengthen the argument for the Latino caucus to gain a seat. And then there will be a question of, okay, well, where where do we feel comfortable losing a seat? And so we'll we'll see. But uh, but I do think ultimately, if the trend continues as it has the last few decades, it's going to be harder to hold on to those those black seats. And ultimately, that caucus will have to relinquish them. But but they will probably do it begrudgingly and at a much slower pace than than maybe what the overall numbers show. I got you. So as that change of guard is slower in city council and in the war remapping process. How does this shift in demographic numbers translate into power for these communities in the short term? One thing to keep in mind also is that the the Latino demographic, the, its overall number, so we're talking about that 820,000. One of the things that we need to consider is that the Latino share of the city's overall population is about 30%. Uh, but the, the Latino share of the population that can't vote yet because they're not old enough, so we're talking people who are under the year, age of 18, is 40%. So the voting age population is a smaller share than the total population for which the boundaries are drawn. Oh, that's, that's an important point. Yeah, so to some degree, the strength that we see based upon that that broader number is not quite realized in terms of people actually going to the voting booth. The other thing to consider is that if you're not a citizen, you can't vote as well. And we know that a larger share of that 820,000 are non-citizens than for the other groups. So so Latinos are kind of uh, hampered uh, from both of those angles in terms of the, the level of citizenship, but also in terms of the youthfulness of that demographic. My last question for you, Alden, is... When I'm when I'm thinking particularly about black and brown communities in Chicago, I always want to make sure that I'm not continuing a narrative of like black versus brown. And yet when we're talking about politics, everything feels so zero sum. You know, how can we have a remapping process and a conversation about these demographic shifts that don't participate in sort of pitting two communities that are facing deep obstacles in this city against one another for what seems like a dearth of resources at times. I think the way to kind of cut down on that is for there to also be conversations about what happens after the seats are settled. What things does the Black Caucus want to accomplish that perhaps it couldn't, but maybe it can with the help of a Latino caucus? And it becomes more of a, well, let's think about the next four years and what we want to accomplish as a caucus or as a community. And maybe we give up a seat without a whole lot of fuss in order to gain some type of kind of a a partnership on longer term things where we're going to need those votes. Because as large as the Latino caucus is, as large as the Black caucus is, they're not large enough on their own to command a majority of the city council vote. They're not large enough to perhaps you know, put some fear in the in, in the boots of whoever is sitting in the mayor's chair, be they black, brown, or, or other. So having a longer view, I think, is a way to keep this process from being uh, so competitive uh, in nature at this point. Alden Lowry is a senior editor with WBEZ and honestly, one of the smartest individuals I've had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with. Thank you so much for joining us on CityCast Chicago. 
Hey, thanks for having me, Jacoby, and, and, and I appreciate that, man. Those are great words. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. The indoor mask mandate is officially back. Chicago is once again averaging 400-plus new daily cases of COVID. Now, during the fall peak, average daily count was around 2,500. So Dr. Allison R. Woody says these numbers right now are cause for caution, but not alarm. The 26th Street Mexican Independence Day parade has been canceled for the second year because of COVID. It was scheduled for the second week of September. Now, plans are to just illuminate the Little Village Arch on September 1st. And some good news to get you through. I know we give a lot of love to the White Sox on this podcast because they're great. But here's one for you Cubby fans who I know could use some good news right now. There's a report that the Cubs will play the Cincinnati Reds next summer in a Field of Dreams game in Iowa. That's where the Sox played last week and beat the Yankees on that amazing walk-off home run. So good luck, Cubs. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. I shouldn't have said like, what does that look like? I should have just said, what does that look like? God damn it.